0: This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now, here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore.
1: In just a minute, we're going to be talking with a very special guest about his personal cancer diagnosis and his professional and personal call to action. This will likely be an emotional roller coaster. And if there was ever a, a podcast you wanted to pay full attention to, this would probably be it. We're speaking today with Chief Billy Goldfeder. He's a member of the Fire Rescue One uh, editorial board and uh, I, I'll just say a chief of all things. Um, if you don't know Chief Goldfeder, you've been hiding under a rock. Uh, chief, I want to thank you for joining us today, um, not only to discuss your your personal situation, but I want to thank you for your undying efforts uh, to help keep other firefighters
0: safe. I appreciate that, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: So, you know, I've known chief Goldfetter for a while, and, and we've, uh, we've got some uh, personal interactions that uh, we've, we've dealt with over the years. And I think nothing is more personal than his um, family to him. Uh, and I, Suspect to most of us, and um, we have seen him lately. As I'm currently dealing with myself, dealing with uh, situations with family, uh, deaths in the family, and uh, uh, just all of the things that that go along with that, and the struggles of that, while still maintaining work and and doing the things he needs to do. Uh, and you know that's hard enough as it is, but then. Uh, Chief Goldfeder made us all aware of his personal cancer diagnosis, and he's made um, no bones about the fact that uh, it was uh, kind of a a, a knock in the head and not only something he didn't expect, um, but more importantly, it's something he's willing to talk about and something he's willing to help others learn from. So, Chief, let's, let's, First, start with um, you can kind of talk about um, how you first learned about this. uh, You know what the cancer is, and then we'll kind of uh, evolve into you know what you're doing about
0: it. Yeah. So, um, like uh, like many, but not all or most firefighters, we have an annual physical, and I say that because there's many organizations that don't mandate it, and there's many volunteer departments that. Just don't do it or can't afford it and honestly with the federal health care plan uh, some people call it obamacare or your own insurance you can get a physical it, 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 where there's a will there's a way so a couple years ago prior to covid uh, my psa which is the way they and i'm going to speak very firefighter language very basic stuff here you can google anything you don't understand um <clears throat> but the PSA basically is is a, is a blood test uh, that they use to determine uh, the possibility of indications of prostate cancer. Now, prostate cancer is a very popular cancer. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, the numbers themselves uh, are out there for a typical male. Uh, as you get older, the closer you get to the potential. For firefighters, we are one and a half to two times more, uh, um, or one and a half or two times more the possibility of getting diagnosed uh, with that. And we're only talking today about prostate cancer. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole lot of other stuff, but we'll stay focused on that. So um, my PSA had gone up a little bit a couple of years ago, and the doctors said, yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. And then This year, this uh, last uh, June, July, I went to the doctor for my annual. And the PSA was up about nine, eight and a half to nine. And the doctor said, ah, eh, we could watch it or not. And I'm like, nope, nope, we're going we're to go. Let's go check it out. So uh, she wrote me an order to go see a urologist and uh, went to a, a wonderful firm here in the Cincinnati area, uh, the urology group. And that's about 30 doctors that do nothing but think about that all day long, right? The, the right. staff of 300, so to me that's that's where you want to go right so uh i got uh, i got my appointment and as i first talked to the surgeon uh, i'm sorry i'm sorry when i first spoke to the physician the urologist i said you know i'm a firefighter because i've heard this for years tell your physician you're a firefighter tell your physician uh, so while my regular uh, physician knew who i was um the urologist did not and he was unaware of the increased potential for firefighters and cancers and particularly in this case prostate cancer so that we'll kind of put on the back burner we'll get back to that in a minute but it's interesting that one of the best cancer studies for firefighters was done at the university of cincinnati hmm. by dr grace LeMasters masters so right here in the in the community right so yeah so um he explained that you know uh yet your number is uh concerning uh and we need to do a couple of things uh, we need to do uh, uh, body scans and bone scans and, and uh, they need to do a biopsy. And I got to tell you, none of it hurt. So th- this is where I'm going is, is because we're, we're so afraid to uh, uh, talk about this stuff or even go get checked, right? Ah, I feel fine. Look, I felt great. I had no symptoms, zero, nothing even when they did the gloved hand, you know, now let's just put an asterisk here. I'm talking about when they put the glove hand and they go up your butt and check your prostate. Right. I mean, I'm right. going to talk English here. Yeah. Um, they found nothing. They found nothing. No unusual change in the size of the prostate. So if it wasn't for the blood test, I would have not had a clue. Hmm. And just a quick fast forward, if I didn't get diagnosed when I did six months later, both my primary and my second opinion doctors both said my outcome would be absolutely different and there'd probably be a spare chief's car at my fire department. So that's how close it was. So anyway, so they do the scans, uh, all those sort of things. And probably the most important thing is the biopsy and they go in and by the way, and I've talked to a couple of firefighters since then a couple of firefighters said their biopsy was painful. And I'm like, why? They put me to sleep. Now, when I say put you to sleep, I'm talking about a colonoscopy kind of sleep. Yeah, like you just kind of dozed, right? The twilight. Yeah. yeah, The twilight, right. So there should be no pain. There should be no pain in any of this. Mm. Uh, and, and so that's just kind of a reminder. If you do get to the point where uh, you're going to, um, I spoke to a fire chief on the West Coast who's a good friend of mine the other day, and he, he's getting ready to go get uh, schedule this because he has a great potential and his next step is to get a biopsy and let's really find out what's going on. And I said, make sure you ask them to be put to sleep uh, because I mean, it is painful, I guess. I don't know. Right. So anyway, they did my uh, biopsy and the doctor called us back in and he says, you do have cancer and we're concerned. So, I mean, the, do you have cancer is concerning. And then when they go to part two, like, you know, what else, what else you got to tell me? So let me explain something to the uh, folks that are listening to to us today. When they do a biopsy, right, they they take your prostate and divide it up into sections and they create what's called, uh, or they take that little piece and the biopsy, right? And they take what's, and they they create what's called the Gleason score. Now your Gleason score, and and again, I'm going to use very plain English. If there's any doctors listening, just hang up because you're going to go nuts the way I (laughs) described it. But, you know when when the, the 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 Gleason score is how fast your cancer is moving is the best way I can explain it. Right. So you've everybody we've all heard stages of cancer stage one stage two stage three right. Well, I was stage one. So you, hey, you're stage one piece of cake. Wait a minute, but there's more. The so the stage is where you are today with your cancer, but your Gleason score is how fast is your cancer moving. So again, very plain English, a zero is great, one, two, three, not too concerning. A 10 is, quote, a death sentence, and I was a nine. Actually, Mm -hmm. I was a little bit above a nine. So I have a dear friend who works at Johns Hopkins. Uh, He's a uh, very well-respected doctor and professor at Johns Hopkins over there in Baltimore. And we were firefighters together in the 70s, and he went on and became a physician, and he runs a, an amazing program over there
1: he made and something business,
0: right. yeah he made a he, he was a success <laughs> right so i reached out to johnny and i sent him all my information i said look i need it uh, we've been friends forever we, we talk all the time it's not like i just reached out to him out of nowhere yeah i'm a big i'm big in maintaining relationships i think it's a huge deal so anyway johnny and i have remained friends our families and all that so i reached out and i said hey here's the deal He said, send me your paperwork and I'll have our our urology folks look at. So he called me back and he called me back like just a couple days prior or actually it was the day before I was going in to schedule the surgery, because at this point we knew we wanted to do surgery. I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute. Why surgery versus radiation and things like that. So anyway, but where I'm going with this is he said, after looking at my information, you tell your doctor you want the surgery immediately. And that was another red light that, like, oh geez, you know, this is pretty serious. So let's go back. So now I've been diagnosed, I've got a Gleason score of nine approaching higher, which is a very, very serious, very serious warning. And now we have to decide, because the doctor will not tell you how to treat it. He'll give you options based upon your type of cancer, its aggressiveness, etc. And he said to me, You've got two options. You've got the option of radiation or surgery my initial thought without doing any uh research on this and i don't mean internet research i mean talking to people who've been through this was absolutely radiation i mean who the hell wants surgery right i reached out to the firefighter cancer support network and spoke with mike dubron who's the founder and and some other folks and they did something really cool with with my wife terry and i they uh, they walked us through a process that allowed us to make our own decisions, but it was a very informed process. So why did we pick surgery? Here's my reason for it, because there's a lot of folks and folks listening and firefighters who went with radiation and have great success. And there's a lot of firefighters who went with surgery and great success. So what was my decision based upon? My understanding, what we learned is that if you have the radiation first, and basically it destroys the prostate okay if you need to go back you can't have what I would describe as the more simple surgery that I had which was a four-hour surgery because there's more destruction in that area if that makes sense Mark, the way I'm describing yeah okay but if you do the surgery first you have the option to go with the basic radiation plan after that so we said, you know what, and I, again, I, one of the best things I did was talk to some of my friends who've had this. A number of fire chiefs who served with me on the IFC board, some folks at the National Fall and Fire, just people that I work with on a daily basis. And that allowed us to come up with what we wanted to do. Uh, and so we picked the surgery. I had the surgery. Now, before I go further, after that, any questions on anything I've covered so uh, far?
1: Why don't you tell, if you're not going to, or maybe you are, but tell them what the surgery was uh, or what was removed or what you, you know, just so you guys, you've been very open with it. And I think
0: that would help people who might be on the fence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I need to, I need to say this. I always, so in 2022, this is my 49th year as being a firefighter. Mm -hmm. So I always kind of thought probably in the last 10, 15 years, something's going to break at some point. Something's got to happen. But I've been lucky because a lot of people around me, uh, and, and look, I'll be very blunt with you. Since 1982, I've been a chief. So going inside is not a lot of what I do, right? But I'm outside all the time. There's a lot of smoke. Sometimes I've got a division depending. So I still have the exposure. And sometimes as a chief on the outside, as an EMS person, if you are on the outside, You are maybe at greater risk because you're not wearing a mask than the firefighters operating inside. So anyway, just just kind of a thought about that. So the surgery. um, And again, I wasn't worried. I wasn't scared. I did not think I was going to die. I did not think the surgery wasn't going to work. I was. And and look, I'm blessed with a pretty optimistic uh, um, uh, soul, heart, attitude, whatever it is. But, my bigger worry, which was absolutely making me crazy, was my grandkids, my wife, and my sister, and my kids having life without me yeah now that's not arrogant. I wasn't being arrogant i'm an, my life is eighty percent my family and twenty percent everything else i do i mean i'm engaged in I've got six beautiful grandkids i've got our five kids. I've got my wife, I got a sister who's disabled. So I have a lot of responsibility with her. And that was my issue. And I've done, you know, everything set up and everybody knows where, what would go if God forbid something happened. But that's what would keep me up at night. Not, I, I was never scared. So anyway, just wanted to share that with you. So we did the surgery. Uh, I had to be at the hospital. Uh, you can't, uh, I don't think I could eat after the day before. you know, like 12 hours or something like that. So get to the hospital. Uh, get there put me to sleep and the surgery we chose is what's called robotic surgery my doctor the surgeon rather who decided to who who we decided was going to be our surgeon he worked a computer and he was like 15 feet away from me and I had a bunch of nurses with me at least that's what they tell me I don't remember right I was I was asleep they put me to sleep part of this but it's all done on a computer, and I remember the the, the main physician I talked to initially he says, "If you pick radiation, you want the oldest, most experienced radiologist. If you pick surgery, you want the youngest, most experienced video gamer." And I thought it was kind of funny because
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's the that's what they're doing, right? Computers. So uh, no no human touched me during the surgery. It was all robotic. They put four holes in my stomach, little teeny. Um, like arthro like I've had arthroscopic knee surgery. My scars are smaller than my knee surgery, right? Mm. Um, and uh, picture your belly button. There's two scars to the right, two scars to the left. And I would challenge you to find them right now. You, you'd have trouble. That's how good they did. So they go in, uh, they go to the prostate and they remove it. So let's picture a hose line and the coupling is your prostate. So, they remove the coupling and then they take both ends of the hose, if you will, mm-hmm. and tie them together. So, now you're without a prostate. So, what's the negatives in that? We'll talk about that in a few minutes. So, they did the surgery. I was under about eight hours. The surgery was like three and a half hours. Uh, I don't remember a whole lot uh, after the next couple of days. Uh, just because uh, I'm not a drinker, I never did drugs, nothing like that. So when you put me under anesthesia, it really screws my head up. And so I was really out of it for a while. So let's talk about the, oh, and, and, and I don't know if I mentioned, but so they, they remove the prostate through your belly button. They open up your belly button and they bring it out, and that's sort of the exit. Uh, right. So you back up uh i had to I, I had a catheter and a bag for about a week they actually tape the bag to your leg uh so you don't have to go to the bathroom for a week uh mm. because it automatically does it you don't even, you don't even know when you're peeing when mm. with that thing in right uh, so a week later i go to the doctor and i see the pa and she her job is to remove the catheter oh my god right i'm thinking it was nothing I'm telling you, it was nothing. It took about five seconds. She says, "Take a deep breath." Uh, by the way, the catheter doesn't come out because inside your uh, your area back in there, they inflate a little balloon, so it can't come out. And you don't again, you don't feel any of this. But uh, she deflates the balloon through some mechanism that was stuck in me, and I don't know much about it. I believe me, I didn't mess with it while I was down. All right, all right. And they uh, deflate it. Pull it out and I'm good to go. Now, what's it like after that? And then we'll I'll will I'll pause for a minute. We can ask some more questions. Yeah, just um, go ahead. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So on on I want to be clear for the people that might be, you know, thinking, um I you know, we talked about in the beginning, folks, that this this could be an emotional roller coaster. Um I'll add the words a graphic emotional roller coaster, and you know what? It needs to be. Um so what Chief Goldfeder, is is just explained is you know going through the process of having that surgical look at his prostate and um, you know while firefighters in general as he indicated uh, we we always go oh no uh, no I'm I, I can't do that it, you know whatever um, so far there's been no real pain and even more important to me folks he had no symptoms. So please don't walk away from this thinking that oh hey look I feel great and I'm not going to worry about it cuz I've got no symptoms. You're talking to a guy that has now been under and had this surgery somebody who had no symptoms. So chief just wanted to reiterate
0: that and yeah. let you let you go uh, on. From there. You you can't underline and highlight that enough cuz that was it. I mean I wasn't peeing irregularly. I wasn't up four, five, 10 times a night. I didn't have any of that. I was yeah. fine. And, and again, so at that point I was um, 65 and 60, I'm 66 now. So it started when I was 65, I turned 66 in August. So it was right around that same period of time. So uh, anyway, so the catheter's out. So what's life like? Well, initially it's, it's pretty weird. Uh, you gotta wear uh, a Depends. Uh, and I did, and it was not all that uncomfortable and nobody can really tell you where, but why, because you're going to pee a little bit out of control. So I never totally had a massive pee session. I mean, again, we're talking amongst firefighters here. I never lost it like that. It would be, if I coughed, there'd be a little spurt. If I laughed, there'd be a little bit, uh, now I'll tell you this, um, in the past, if I was sitting with you and we're having dinner and I'm talking and I think I have to pee, I would have a half hour to wait. Now, get out of my way. Yeah. Uh, so, you still, so I still get a sensation like you normally do. Hey, I have to pee. The difference is I need to go right now. Yeah, so and it's all I, about strategic seating at the restaurant. That's exactly right. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, again, I, I, my doctor did say that I was ahead of most, and I'm very blessed in that manner. Uh, um, uh, you know, you do hear some pretty tough stories uh, where and it's an emasculating kind of thing. Now, for
1: me, mm-hmm. I've never
0: been all that worried about that. I, you know, I'll, I, I don't care. You know, the nurse walks in, I take my pants off, she can check this. I don't care. It's, it's just the way I'm built, it just doesn't bother me. But I know for a lot of guys, a lot of this kind of stuff is emasculating and it's, it's, it's embarrassing and all that. And, and I get that. I do. I know a lot of people like that. But I also know some guys who are like that that aren't with us anymore. Some very good friends of mine who just ignored, ignored, ignored. And not just symptoms, but some without symptoms who just, I mean, I'll talk to somebody at a certain age and I'll say, when's your last physical? Eh, you know, they think I'm going, but I really don't go. I'm like, what? I mean, come on, dude. You got to get checked. Well, nobody likes bad news, but by ignoring it, it's not you're not going to uh, make it go away, right? So, um, I've now now we're 90 days out. I, I, I and I didn't tell you this. I did, I do need to tell you. My doctor did say that I am at high risk for future cancers. So that's a little concerning, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's because my Gleason score was very high. So that tells them that i am at great risk for future cancer so what does that mean it means every 90 days i go for a blood test no big deal again even that doesn't hurt anymore i don't care uh and i just had my first 90-day blood test uh and my numbers are phenomenal so i'm i'm happy life is good i can hang out with my six grandkids the six-pack as we call them Mm -hmm. and spend some time so let me go back to the to the the uh the uh, depends diaper stuff okay so uh wore that for a couple of months and you know when you're ready to to graduate so to speak okay so now i just have a little pad basically that sticks onto my uh to my shorts uh and in case there's a little leak or a little dribble it catches it uh i've not had a real problem uh, now i i will tell you this uh I absolutely make it my business before I turn out now to go to the bathroom and I don't pass a bathroom ever. Um, and I'm still trying to train myself to that, but uh, we've had a couple of runs. Uh, We had a pretty significant fire the other night and uh, about an hour into it, I had to go. So I excused myself and it worked out, but as long as I go before, there's no problem. And even if I had to go when I was there and something leaked through, I'm covered. I got it. So yeah. And again, it sounds weird. It sounds gross and all this stuff. But you know what? It beats the hell out of, of me rotten away from cancer that was undiagnosed. So uh, but again, it, it's few and far between. Now, let's talk about the sexuality stuff. So we're not there yet. It takes time. Uh, but we're getting there. We're making progress. And the doctor will give you some um, uh, directions, some tips, some ideas on how uh, you can go t- be what you want and where you're at uh, or where you you were before. Uh, There is a significant amount of success rate with it, but there's some some failure as well. Uh, There are people who've had prostate cancer who can no longer function that way. Uh, But that's something between you and your doctor. You'll find out. Uh, And my doctor was phenomenal. Uh, The surgery, uh, he did a few things that he'd been learning about. He'd been studying that they feel will help, um, accelerate, uh, your sexual function. Uh, and, uh, we're getting there and it'll take time. But again, you know, uh, when you're 25 years old, if you lost your sexual function, you do know, going to jump off a bridge or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's so important to you, but at 25 years old, you're really not really sure what's all that important at that stage in your life. And, and we've all been there, but at 66, uh, a little, a little slowing down in that department to have a decent quality of life, to be alive, uh, to be with my babies, uh, to be with my kids, uh, and to do what I love, uh, second only to my family, and that's, you know, to go to fires. That's why we joined in 1973. And that's why I'm still doing it. Uh, we want to help. We want to do what we do. Uh, so, you know what, I'll take it. And, uh, I've got an amazing, and, and both you and Janelle, uh, and, um, uh, some perhaps listening say, no, my wife, Terry, she's a former firefighter paramedic, uh, but you couldn't ask for a better person, uh, a individual human being to get you through something like this than, than she did, especially the first couple of weeks where I was, uh, you know, between uh, having to uh, wear the um, uh, the catheter with the bag and, and help getting that dealt with and all that stuff. Uh, it, it's a big deal. And I'll be forever indebted to her for her love and her support in this whole thing and her research she's a big researcher she yeah she made sure we were going down the right path so what have i missed here
1: um you haven't missed anything i mean i think that what you just talked about though is something um i i can share from having watched you and terry over the years uh you know and and watched you and your son uh family does mean everything to you and and i applaud you for that and um much as you indicated, your wife is a researcher and has helped you with this. As is my wife helping me with our family situation now. Um, right. You know, any right. a, anybody that thinks um, you know they can do these things on their own is is living uh, a little bit of a nightmare and dream at the same time. You know, what? reach out for help. Just ask. Um, so you know,
0: what, and that's that's a great point, Mark. Let me let me interject on that because we're certainly going to have some folks that may not be married or may not have a partner in their lives. That's what the firefighter cancer support network is for. Uh, I needed them basically at the beginning, did not really need a lot of help after they do, by the way, have a phenomenal program, cost you nothing. When you call up, they'll send you what they call the kit. And it's all sorts of amazing information and some uh, swag and other stuff, and they send you this three-bit ring binder that's just amazing that will get you through this, but they'll also team you up with a partner. Now, I've known Mike Dubron, and I've done a lot of work with the Firefighter Cancer Support Network for years, so Mike became my buddy, my supporter uh, through this, and Mike, of course, is a uh, cancer survivor himself, Uh, so he was that, but there are firefighters around the country, now me included, who will be paired with you to help get you through this. And yeah. so, you know, if you're if you're divorced, if you're single, whatever, don't worry about that. If you don't have a special person in your life or someone you don't want to talk to about it, the Firefighter Cancer Support Network can certainly help you with that. If you belong to the IFF, uh, they've got some phenomenal programs as well, partnered with the Firefighter Cancer Support Network. If you belong to the NVFC, whatever aspect of our job you're in, we will get somebody that you're comfortable with to get you through this, no matter how difficult it may be.
1: Yeah, and for our listeners at the Firefighter Cancer Support Network, they can reach uh, on the web at firefightercancersupport.org. That's firefightercancersupport.org. You'll see the acronym uh, FCSN, which is Firefighter Cancer Support Network. Um, And I appreciate you bringing that up. That's exactly where I was headed, Billy, was uh, that you don't have to go it alone uh, and that not only family, but, uh, the FSCN, I'm sorry, FCSN can, um, help folks along paid or volunteer member of the IFF or not. Uh, that's what they're there to help for. And I appreciate you bringing them up. Now, chief, let's talk about your, uh, new website. Um, there's a website, uh, 40 plus fire. I'll kind of turn it over to you. I, I think this is something that, uh, was born out of your personal situation. I wanted to give you the opportunity to uh, explain it to our listeners.
0: So I kind of I spent most of my career passing stuff along, and of course you you've participated in the Pass It On book series. Uh, and uh, the whole idea behind the Pass It On books was to get information, stories, tales, facts, whatever. Uh, from people who've been there and done that and share that with members of the fire service. And and thanks to those of you on this call and and others, we've been very, very successful in the Pass It On book series, uh, raising tens of thousands of dollars for the three charities, the National Fallen Firefighters, the Chief Ray Downey Scholarship, and the Firefighter Cancer Support Network, uh, who we've donated quite a bit of money to from the sales of those books. So um, um, I really believe that, and I, that was instilled to in me as a long, uh, a, a many, you know, a long time ago as a young firefighter, where I was surrounded by some really cool old firefighters uh, at that time. Of course, I was in my teens, and they might have been thirty, but they seemed old at that point, right? But they were always sharing. Let me show you how to do this. Let me show you how to do that. And the idea is to just don't keep that to yourself, right? Pass it on. So. That's kind of my nature, it's kind of how I'm built. So when I got diagnosed, that was one of the first things I thought about. So what do I do to help people understand what I went through and what they can do and blah, blah, blah. So um, I think I thought of 40 plus fire right before uh, the surgery. And then after the surgery, I was kind of laid up for a couple months. Uh, and by the way, I was when I say that, you're down for about a week, uh, you can't drive for a week, all that kind of stuff, but then things get back to normal. I had my surgery October 8th and I was allowed to start going back to work and making runs on Thanksgiving. So that, that gives you an idea of the the time period that you're going to be off just to recuperate. Cause it is, it's major surgery as my wife reminded me, even though it didn't feel like it. it's a big deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So right around that time, I started thinking. So what do we do about this? And I mean, I can do a podcast, I can write an article, and 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 certainly we're in the process. But I wanted to draw attention to it. So people kept telling me after age forty, after age forty. And there's there's a there was a company in, in New York City, a truck forty, and in the front of their truck it said "Life be, begins at 40, which means in in theory that at, after age forty you start to mature, you start to understand things better, things like that. So. That also is kind of a magical number uh, based upon me speaking with medical researchers and doctors and what have you, that after age 40 is when you need to start watching out for certain cancers, and prostate cancer was right amongst that group. So I'm thinking, all right, if you're 40 years old and you go to fires, bingo, 40 plus fire. You're 40 years old or above, and you go to fires, you need to get checked. Now, uh, we've got a logo designed. Uh, We've got a website that's up. Uh, and and you can certainly share that and talk about that, and we've got all the helmet stickers you want. They came out with a really really cool logo. Uh, it's got a firefighter helmet. It's got a mustache on it because this is a male only cancer, uh, and it's got a hose line on it. And it's lime green and black. And the helmet. It's it's pretty cool. And again, it's free, and, and everybody likes helmet stickers. Or
1: yeah. So I I want to be clear to our listeners that it is a very familiar mustache too. I just want to be
0: clear. <laughs> yeah. I didn't you know I, I, I reached out to uh Jobtown Graphics and they did the logo for me, and I really didn't want that, but everybody who looked at it said leave it. So okay. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks like a really you... scraggly old brush that you used to <laughs> horses with or something. But anyway. Um so it's it's a cool sticker, it's it's very firefighter brand, it's got a leather helmet on the front, but in the back of it you'll see a hose line. And that's the conversation starter. As I mentioned before, picture a hose line. Well, we did that. We put it on the logo, and on the left of it is the coupling. That's your prostate. And to the right of it is a nozzle. That's your wee-wee, right? And that's the focus. That's what we're talking about. And, again, the, the idea is to get a conversation going, is to bring people to this website, which is very simple to navigate. Very easy. You can get free stickers on there. All you do is fill out a form, tell them how many you want, and they'll send them to you. It's that easy. Uh, LifeScan sponsored those. sponsor didn't cost us a nickel, and they're not charging for them. They need the sticker, so that's kind of cool. And the idea is right at a glance, you and your family can look at some immediate information or link to areas that will help you work through the uh, potential or the confirmed diagnosis of prostate cancer. Uh, the the we're trying to educate you we're trying to give you information and i think possibly the coolest thing on that site maybe bef- beside the stickers is this when you go to your doctor it's difficult to explain you're a firefighter depending upon the relationship and especially if your doctor's unaware of the issues of firefighters have related to cancer so mike hamrock who's the physician for the boston fire department who was a boston firefighter by the way uh, and then went to medical school, Mike created a great downloadable one-page document. And it basically, it's a letter from him to your doctor, speaking doctorese, explaining why and how to have certain checks done on you. Possibly, and again, nothing I just talked about, so going to cost you a nickel. So now, most career firefighters, when they go to the doctor, if it's not your own department doctor, but it's a uh, a separate physician, primary care physician. Uh, you're going to tell me you're a firefighter. What do you for a living? I'm a firefighter. But we got a million or so volunteer firefighters out there. What do they say when they go to the doctor? I'm a baker. I'm a writer. I'm a mechanic. I'm an attorney. They're not talking about being a firefighter because you see that as a secondary responsibility. This document will help you get through that. We want everyone who goes to fires when you go to your doctor, just pr- take this document with you, print it out. Again, it's a, from one doctor to another, so they understand the language in there, and it really is a phenomenal document that, that Mike Hamrock uh, from there, uh, fr- from Boston Fire created, and it's available at 40plusfire.com, uh, and we're really, really thrilled about that as well.
1: Uh, that's great stuff, and I know there's some videos and um, other information on there to help folks um uh, to um, work their way through this process to get the information they need Uh, i know that uh, our parent company lexapol was one of the proud uh, sponsors of the website 40 plus fire and uh, i appreciate you um, bringing that to the forefront uh, and of course also uh, sharing sharing all this with you you know we're going to put a link to uh, 40plusfire.com up in our show notes as well as uh the firefighter cancer support network we'll have a link to both of those up in the show notes here for uh the show chief if you had one thing you wanted to impress on firefighters listening in what would that be
0: <laughs> wow well if it's the young ones uh train every day <laughs> yeah i mean you know, we we get way off this subject, but from a sp- uh, from a cancer st- uh, standpoint, look, you can use all the preventative measures. You can wear your mask. You can wear your gear. You are still at great risk of getting cancer. So I'm not getting into a pissing contest. Oh, there's there's a there's a Freudian slip with anybody over. Yeah, over uh, whether you wear your mask or not when you go and smoke. Look, you do whatever your department tells you to do. But the bottom line is this if you wear bunker gear, even if you don't, uh, some folks are there to assist in traffic control, but primarily we're talking about firefighters who are riding and going to runs. You're in a smoky environment. You're in a dangerous environment. Even the best turnout gear is not going to fully protect you uh, from cancer exposures. Your skin can absorb it. And here's the proof. The next time you have a working fire, And you've worn all your gear head to toe. When you go back to quarters, or you go back home and you take a shower. What do you smell in the shower? You smell Mm -hmm. the smoke. That's because it's coming off your body. So you are sucking in the carcinogens. So we are at greater risk. If you love what you do and you want to keep doing it, and that means if you love your life, if you love your wife, if you love your husband, if you love your kids, if you just enjoy being alive and you want to keep doing it for a while, take this seriously. The earlier you check it, the better. If you start at age 40, uh, follow that path with your physician through your department or whatever and start developing that timeline. And this is, by the way, once you establish a baseline uh, by going for annual physicals every year, there's a whole lot other good stuff that's going to be covered as well, whether it's heart disease or, or other cancers, et cetera. But this specifically, please get checked. Go to the doctor, get checked. And again, you may be the safest firefighter on the fire ground, or you may may be the wildest, wild person on the fire ground. The fact is you're getting absorbed. So my final message is please get checked. The quicker you get checked, the quicker it get fixed if you do have a problem, and you get back to doing what you love.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, poignant stuff, and I appreciate it. And, folks, I want to reiterate, uh, Chief Goldfeder had no symptoms. He went for a regular Correct. physical, regular physical exam, and that blood test is what found an elevated uh, degree of potential, and um, so he followed up on that. He could have ignored it, and uh, we may have been talking um, at his. Th- this may have been his eulogy, as opposed to uh, uh, his discussion about uh, successful surgery. So please take it seriously. Uh, you heard from Chief Goldfeder, uh, get checked. That's really, at the, at the end of the day, that's the uh, one thing he wanted to impress on people, is get checked. So whether you have annual physicals at your organization or not, and every fire department should have them, it's uh, frankly ridiculous. Um, if they don't, I understand there are certain places that can't afford them, but can you afford the death of a firefighter? Uh, and you know, at the end of the day, I'd rather afford the physical than try to afford the death so chief i appreciate you taking the time with us today that's all we have time for uh, folks uh, we've been talking with chief goldfeder about his personal cancer diagnosis and the new website 40plusfire.com thanks to chief goldfeder and thanks to our listeners for hanging in there with us this is mark your executive editor for firerescue1.com and firechief.com get yourself checked today and try to have a great day on purpose keep safe stay smart and take care.